It's time for This Week in WordPress, episode number 151, entitled We Need More Plumbers. It was recorded on Monday the 22nd of February 2021. My name's Nathan Wrigley and I'm joined as always by my co-host Paul Lacey and this week also by Sabrina Zidane and Kyle Van Dusen. We're here to talk about the WordPress news and as is the case each week, there's tons that happens. The first thing to mention is the fact that the Gutenberg plugin has had its 100th release. We're now on version 10.0. WordPress contributors discuss the fact that they're thinking of moving away from a four-release cycle each and every year to something a little bit less onerous. Google have launched a material design plugin for WordPress. Elementor are onto version 3.1, which includes an option to include custom code and also some performance improvements along the way. Sabrina goes through her wordfest.live talk and she tells us five things that we shouldn't be doing in order to speed up our WordPress websites. There's a new plugin in town. Andre Gagnon has joined with Adam Prizer to launch Presto Player and Kyle knows an awful lot about it, it would seem. WordPress.org having to remove fake reviews. This is an infuriating subject that keeps coming around. One million websites have been infected. That's ninja form, so go and check that out. And also, Coincidentally, Kyle is on the week that WP Builds released their episode about his plugin with Andre Gagnon called Docket WP. So we find out about that as well. Loads to talk about. It's a lovely episode. Plumbers keep coming up for some reason. I hope that you enjoy it. This Week in WordPress is brought to you this week by AB Split Test. Do you want to set up your A-B split tests in record time, like in a couple of minutes? Use your existing pages and test anything against anything else. Buttons, images, headers, rows, anything. And the best part is, it works with Elementor, Beaver Builder, and the WordPress Block Editor. Check it out and get a free demo at absplittest.com. Hello there, welcome again. We were all here. I just had the most cacophonous noise in my head. I had about four tabs open with the music to that and it was all going on <laughs> now i feel rather unwell this week in wordpress i think we're on episode number 151 something like that we're joined as always by paul lacy uh, but we're also joined as you can see on the screen if you're watching us by sabrina zidane and Carl van dusen if you can't see them on the screen you're probably listening on audio but we'll just do a quick quick round about just to say who we are and why we're here so let's start with you paul Hello, Paul here, uh, independent WordPress designer and developer. That's me right. at the moment. Okay. Don't have a website to share in between websites at the moment. So. Okay. Yes. <laughs> it's a nice place to be. And Sabrina, tell us about yourself. Hello, everyone. Hello, guys. Uh, my name is Sabrina. I have uh, WordPress websites. I also have a plugin that monitors site speed uh, using PageSpeed Insights uh, API. It's called SpeedGuard, as you can see in my um, title yeah i'm happy to be here again thank you guys you're very welcome and last but by no means least carl van dusen how are you doing i'm definitely least for sure that's why you put me <laughs> in the last spot yes i'm uh i'm kyle i'm from the admin bar i'm here to hang out with paul lacy that's the only yeah, thing yeah that's good i like it <laughs> um so we're going to talk about the wordpress news but just before we get to that we'll just share a few little comments that are coming in elijah mills uh, from oxygen i'm guessing that's that elijah hi elijah nice to have you with us chris hughes and this chap some guy called kyle uh, has also joined us as well so uh 
it's it's you, Kyle. But uh, yeah, if you want to put any comments in, please do that. The the way to do that would be to go over to wpbuilds.com forward slash live. That's Facebook. Sorry, that's um, YouTube comments. So you need to be logged into Google. Or if you're in our Facebook group, wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook, you can comment over there. Um, if you do go into Facebook, then you do need to sort of click a StreamYard link. Otherwise, a bit like this person here, um, we don't know who you are. It just says Elementor. Sorry, just says Facebook user. Um, and in this case, something about Kyle eating. Pick- I'm going to make promise, a guess. I can promise that's Matt Davies. Okay. That's okay. The, no, I was going to say Matt Davies as well. Oh, so, okay. Uh, okay. So we, actually, we know who you are, Matt. That was <laughs> that was good. But what are we doing here this week? Well, we always do a bit of uh, WordPress news each and every week. Can't make this banner go away. Let's try a different one instead. We're talking about the WordPress news for the week commencing the 15th of February. And Let's share the screen, shall we? And before we do that, let's make sure we're on the right screen. There we go. Just a quick little bit of promotional stuff from us. This is our website, wpbuilds.com. We sort of like produce loads of content each week. We produce a podcast episode on a Thursday. And then we do, slightly confusingly, this little sort of jig, which we're trying to figure out, Paul and I, at the moment, whereby we do this live episode, and then we package it up and make it into a podcast episode, as well as a sort of video episode. Um, you can consume that 7 a.m. tomorrow morning uh, on, like, a podcast player or something like that. And the best way to get that is to go to this page, wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe, and subscribe to this one, the newsletter updates, and then you'll be, you know, you'll be told when that kind of stuff comes out, or... Use one of these links and shove us in your podcast player of choice. And that way we can uh, we can come automatically to you. A couple of other pages. We've got this deals page, wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. It's like a searchable, filterable list of WordPress deals. It's there each and every day of the year. And thus far, not one of those deals has expired. So if it's on that page, it'll presumably be on there forever. So if you're in the market for something this week, go check it out. And the last thing to notice is that we've got a news archive which lives in here, and that's where all of the content that we're producing today will appear tomorrow. Episode number 151 will be right about there. Okay, what are we going to talk about today, though? We're going to talk about WordPress, no doubt, and we're going to go through each article. We've sort of like divvied up who's going to talk about what. We're, uh, we're getting slightly better at this, aren't we, Paul? We actually manage it a little bit better than we used to. So I'm starting. Can I um, can I um can I uh, show some of the, the the secret sauce that we have now that we actually plan the segues? So I know I know that I shouldn't I shouldn't really reveal that kind of level of magic. Aren't segues supposed to be like just spontaneous and no? You they are, them. but the truth that I can't I can't keep it quiet anymore. Okay, it's okay. been it's been eating me up for such a long time. You. It's been bugging you. Yeah, All right. yeah. Um, so we've got 10 things we're going to try and get through today. I don't know if we'll manage it all, but uh, here we go. This is the first one. This is Sarah Gooding over on WP Tavern. Love it or hate it, we're going to be talking about Gutenberg a fair amount today, and this is the first piece all about it. Uh, you may not use the plugin, but if you do actually use the Gutenberg plugin, which gives you sort of like the bleeding edge of all the features, then that has reached its 100th release, which is marked by the the version number 10.0. And really what Sarah's doing is just sort of illustrating a couple of the new features. We've got this new dynamic pages block. This really is getting into full site editing a bit now where you can build navigation menus and it can be inside a navigation block or used on its own. I'm curious. I don't really understand how you would use that block on its own. I just feel the right place for that is in a, I suppose it could be a link or something. I don't really know. Anyway, it exists. Uh, Also, 
if you've ever used the Gutenberg editor, one of the one of the really difficult fiddly things to do is to try and find the parent of a particular item, and it really is annoying. Um, in a page builder, it's just really easy. They've got all that UI figured out, and you sort of roll slightly outside of the container, and there it is. But in Gutenberg, it's been really difficult. You've had to use the little the little pencil icon and go up the stack. But now they've got this new feature. You can just just about make it out in this image here. It it looks like this, and it's the parent item selector. And as as the Gutenberg layouts are going to get more and more complicated into the near future, Sarah makes the point that in the future we're going to get nesting support for paragraphs, headings, lists, and code blocks. They're all going to be allowed children. Then it seems like quite a good idea to introduce something into the UI that takes care of this. So yet yet again, another little niggle. Disappeared. Unfortunately, oh. that little button looks like a duplicate button. I would it have thought really that, that was to duplicate something. Look like a duplicate button. Yeah, you're absolutely. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's version eleven. We'll have a we'll have a new button which looks like a. Yeah. Why doesn't it look like the previous one, which has just got the you know the three little lines all sort of diagonally arranged? Don't know. Okay. Um, and darker social links, a few little bits and pieces, but not a lot else. But the one thing that I wanted to draw everybody's attention, and I'm sorry, I'm going to get Riyad. Is it Riyad Benguela? Is that how you pronounce his name? I don't know. Um, it's really interesting because he is kind of in charge of the whole shebang, really. And, and I just thought this comment, which I'm going to read in its entirety, which I don't normally do, but I'm going to do it because I just felt... That kind of encapsulated the whole thing about Gutenberg really well. And it says, to quote, with all the attention that the project received, it became difficult to discern constructive debate from mere opposition. We each come with our own context, and some people had a fixed idea about what they wanted for the project. Some wanted to just reuse an existing page builder. Others wanted to revive, revive the Fields API project. Some wanted it to be a front-end first. Others wanted it just to replace the content area of the classic editor. Some wanted it to be in Vue.js. Others wanted it no change at all. And with a project used by 40% of the web, we need to find a consensus. And when we make compromises, it can be so difficult for those involved to avoid the feeling that their voice of their voice is being ignored. And I fit, I am one of those people, one of those little bullet-pointed lists of things that, that people moaned about. I fit neatly into one of those little boxes. And I just think, God, how do you satisfy this audience? And on that bombshell, it's over to you three to figure it out. I got, I got something to say on, on, on that statement. I could totally sympathize with uh, Riyad um, on that. And it is difficult, I think, to 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 see the difference or to you know read the difference especially at the moment between the constructive debate and the just total opposition especially when you don't have as much face-to-face -face, uh stuff at the moment and um the one thing i would say though is uh there's all these different things you know this person wants that this person wants it to be like a page builder this person is more interested in the, the text editor i think the overall opposition was that if you take that list of all that can that full list of different things was that that it seemed it seemed to people that Matt Mullenweg wanted it to be all of them right away, and I think that a lot of the people who were complaining weren't saying, "Hey, I want I don't want that to be that. I want it to be this." Were more really along the lines of, um, "Hey, if it's going to be this as well as that and as well as that, can we get the basics right first? And then and then it will be a great page builder that will replace my page builders. And if we get the basics right, then it will replace my text editor really well, and it will replace my custom field possibilities and those sort of things. So I think I think a lot of the opposition and criticism has been that 
it, it's always felt with the Gutenberg project that it's it's gone, okay, this is done, we're going to move on to the next thing. And that's why we get buttons to find the parent rather than that being part of the native user interface. That That's, that's my main criticism. Um, but I do, I do understand it must be so difficult to listen to such a vocal community mm-hmm. when you can't actually speak to each other face-to-face properly at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I almost think, like, reading that little statement, it... Gutenberg kind of feels like that, like it feels like it was trying to be many things put into one. Right. Uh, And anytime you have that, like built by committee type approach to things, things get really complicated. Um, And it just seems like, you know, WordPress itself, WordPress trying to accomplish something is like when your government tries to accomplish something like they have a lot of different voices to listen to. They have a lot of different opinions and things just move really slowly where when you have like an independent page builder, uh, they can just make a decision and move forward. And that's why, you know, Elementor's changed 900 times since uh, Gutenberg project started. Um, but yeah, it's it's I mean, it, it feels like it's been built by committee. Hmm. Anything on that, Sabrina? Do you have anything to add? Yeah, I'm just thinking, uh, I, I think this is so cool that we have um, people from different areas contributing to this and mm, making this um, suitable for their uh, everyday uh, use and stuff. But in my opinion, it's nice to have different mm, voices uh, when you define the strategy and then define it and then stick to it. Because if you like in Gutenberg, uh, if you're changing your mind too frequently, this lack of consistency, it um, even those those people who were heard before, uh, they feel that they are not heard this time and another people are not heard that time. But if there is like some strategic path that you stick to, everyone is kind of know what to expect and um, have certain expectations and to my mind, it's kind of better way to approach things. Well, what is the North Star of Gutenberg? What is everybody is is everybody pointing at the same North Star and pulling yeah. in the same direction? I don't know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I don't know where it is. That's the, the, yeah, well, the, the sort of broad outlines are that in in the next release by the end of this year, we'll have full site editing, whatever that looks yeah, like. But, but then, for what kind of people? Ah, forty percent of the internet kind of people. <laughs> <laughs> so that means literally everybody. Um, yeah, it's a really difficult, difficult one to pull off. It's quite interesting. The article does develop a little bit more, and I'll, I'll read a little bit because it kind of chimes with everything you were just saying, Sabrina. Because Riyad says that he admits the project made a few mistakes along the way, but he also said this bit, which speaks to what you just said. It's a delight to see some people who had very strongly disagreed with the initial vision or approach to Gutenberg gradually becoming users who enjoy the editor um, and can carry on its vision. And then a little bit further down, we have a, a WordPress web developer who I don't know called John Brown. Um, making the point that when he looked at it, he hated it, which I think was a sentiment a lot of us could have could have said. And then two years on, he does a mix of Gutenberg, and he's by the looks of it, he's using Cadence to supplement that. He says he's using Cadence themes and blocks, and now he can build virtually anything with it. And it does kind of feel to me that that is that is the north star in a way is to be able to build anything with it within certain constraints. And I feel that we are slowly but surely getting there. 
Um, but as Carl said, it's kind of been done by committee rather than just a bunch of developers sitting in a closed room and then going, it's finished. There it is. Buy it. But that's the way it's done. Uh, one thing I'll say, um, in terms of people coming on board of it, the, we don't have that much choice. So I think there's that there's that thing, um, what do you call it, Stockholm Syndrome? Yeah. <laughs> which which probably is a bit of an extreme um, scenario, which is Stockholm Syndrome is where hostages start to um, kind of befriend their captors uh, because they become reliant on each other. And so it feels like good to the blog editor, blog editor, we, we don't have a lot of choice. It's moving forward. There are people in the community creating some good tools to help us through it. So we've we've got to kind of go with it to a certain extent, unless we truly believe that a major fork could actually happen and go off in a different direction. But for, for now, I think uh, energy to complain, I guess, should be directed in as much a way as possible to be constructive. Yeah. Um, Matt Davis in the comments makes a nice point. Uh, it should be easy enough for a plumber to use and expansive enough to, for a developer to use. So almost impossible in reality to cover every base, he says. Just focus on the majority and go from there. And then he also makes the point that he really enjoys using it. I do as well, Matt. I, I basically yeah, yeah. use it just, just for text, really. I'm not trying to do anything complicated page-wise or site-wise yet. But for text, I find it's the best editor. In fact, over on a completely different project, I've been looking for a text editor to fulfill a certain need. And the Gutenberg editor really is sublimely good compared to all the other editors out there. You know, it does so much stuff. The, the one Achilles heel at the minute, it doesn't do the concurrent editing. You know, you can't be both logged in at once and watch each other typing, whereas some of the other ones, some of the other open source projects do. But yeah. I felt that we had a segue there, Paul, and and it escaped. There's there's something there's a there's a there's a good YouTube video to check out as well because the direction of um, generate press not generate press uh, Gutenberg um, and the whole full site editing thing. Uh, generate press and generate blocks have have been working on this concept for a while. If you go mm -hmm. to the generate press's YouTube channel, which isn't particularly, you know, it's it's more of a um, insiders release type uh, youtube channel more than anything but there's a video on there called block element content template video and it kind of shows you how the upcoming version of generate press is going to give you some of these kind of site theming abilities with the block editor so archive pages search result pages those sort of things that we associate with tools like beaver fema uh, elementors theme builder divis theme builder uh, tool set those sort of things so um, I haven't watched the whole video, but I know that a lot of people watch this video and are pretty excited about the possibilities of um, designing archive pages and stuff like that and single post templates and stuff with the with the block editor, which is something really reserved for Toolset at the moment, the Toolset tool. Um, nice. Yeah, so it's worth checking out. It's worth checking out just to see how some of the third-party uh, products are doing their best to make this work. And that's what I have faith in. I know that there's so many smart product developers out there. I know that they can, they'll, for those of us that are struggling, they'll probably solve our problems at some point. It just might take a while. Yeah, and the, the nice thing is we've got the other things which we're currently using that are just sitting in our in our stack of tools. Just you know, keep using them until mm. you're satisfied that this will work. And if you're never satisfied that it's going to work, just keep using what you're using, which is fine totally all right it will probably always work for a lifetime of 
the cycle of how we work. If we if we like working with page builders right now, we know that in let's say three years time, four years time, that would naturally change the way the way we work would naturally change anyway with new things that are coming out. So I think that we don't need to worry about that our page builders will stop working or anything like that. If we're the, those kind of people that are using page builders like me, um, yeah. Dave Bloom in the comment giving a shout out to Toolset. He's obviously a Toolset user. Mm. Hi there, Dave. And uh, Chris Hughes saying that he um, finds it's good for content. Me too, uh, Chris. But he says it's a hot mess for web design right now. Yeah, um, I'm not going to disagree. But for editing content and text, it's absolutely marvelous. So let's move on and take, well, let's talk about the release cycle for this whole thing. We have an article from Sarah Gooding, which I know Paul wants to introduce us to. Yeah, it's entitled, it's on the WordPress Tavern site, like you say, by Sarah Gooding. It's entitled, WordPress Contributors Discuss Scaling Back Releases. Four Major Releases is Not a Viable Plan in 2021. That last part there from Four Major Releases is what uh, Josepha Hayden-Chomposi, is that right, Nathan? Yeah. I said that right. Yeah, cool. Um, Said in her post called Making WordPress Releases Easier, which is linked from the post in WordPress Tavern. Now, there's a bunch of reasons that Josefa talks about why she thinks that they need to scale back the release plan, the release schedule. But you could kind of summarize it that they are struggling with human resource. They're struggling with people's motivation, people's other um, other things that they need to get on with in life. And also the pandemic and the lockdowns and what that has done to anything, so to everything. So... There was a plan. There was a previous plan that that WordPress would have four major releases every year, and what Josepha is saying is that she's listening to the people on the ground, the contributors, and she's getting the feeling that they need to slow down the release cycle to make it a little bit more sensible. Now, I think that there is some pushback on that. There's a lot of people agreeing with it. There's a lot of people in the comments saying thank you for even starting this conversation. Uh, I don't know about. I don't know about you guys, but I'm seeing Josepha's name in a lot of articles and stuff now. It seems that she's really uh, becoming the voice of the top brass at WordPress, you know, to come yeah. out and, and, and speak uh, speak to the community and then speak on behalf of the community as well. Um, but I think that there's some pushback, uh, notably from um, Ryan. What's I don't know what his surname is. A guy called Ryan, uh, who's one of the product direct major product directors at Human Made, who are a major uh, WordPress agency, international WordPress agency. And also I know that Human Made contribute a lot of human resource to the project. He was complaining that uh, the problem with this is that they've planned their year around the release schedule and this is going to cause them a lot of problems and everything. Now, I can sympathize with that. But on the same sense, I think that there is almost anything that happened in the last year that you had as a plan you've got a great excuse right now to readdress that and make major changes in your plans because the whole situation has changed. The economy has changed. The, you know, the way that we look at our health has changed and the way that people interact. And Josepha has noticed that the year prior to that, people were going to meetups and teams would be able to look each other in the eye and have good conversations, have a few jokes and laugh about some of the things and basically get to know each other a bit better. And in the last year, a project like this with a completely distributed workforce who is almost fully voluntary 
you don't get that interaction. And I think she's trying to put the brakes on for the benefit of the contributors and the product itself. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah, you don't normally get things like this, do you? You don't normally hear about, well, I'm just quoting from the article again, it says, um, Hayden Chomposi cited a number of challenges, including update fatigue, quite an interesting expression, risk of contributor burnout, lengthy onboarding process for contributors, skilled at doing the administrative work required during a release, and a lack of seasoned core developers to keep the process moving efficiently. It, it does sort of feel like, yeah, she's taken the reins and sort of said, look, let's just put the brakes on a little bit. We're going too fast. And if we if we don't have enough bodies on the ground to pull this stuff off, then we need to stop. Um, and you're right. I was lucky enough to chat with her the other day. And one of the things that she did mention was the, the, the real world interactions that are required to make the WordPress project function. And although I've always liked attending WordPress live events, I kind of never really thought it was for that purpose. I just thought it was kind of a nice way to get everybody together and everybody learn a bit. But I didn't see it as kind of crucial and integral to the actual project moving forward. And now that I think about it, it really is. And so hopefully now that we're sort of all lining up in different parts of the world to to have a jab and hopefully inoculate us against the vaccine, that will slowly start to return and Maybe this four week, four a year release cycle can kind of hit the ground again, so that people like Human Made can have something a bit consistent to work to. Mm. It's amazing it's... the perspective difference because yeah. I can see watch or reading this why people who are contributing are saying this is way too fast. But then as somebody who's just a WordPress user and who isn't thinking about those things on a day to day basis, I'm like, why is this taking so long? You know, so there's two sides to the coin, but you, I mean, you got to take both into consideration. Um, Cameron Jones. Hi, Cameron. In the comments saying he remembers before Gottenberg was merged, Matt Mullenweg proudly announced there would be no more fixed release cycles and release would only then would be made when they were ready and then carries on. Then as soon as Gottenberg came in, it went straight out the window <laughs> as he's written. Mm. Oh, yeah, he corrected himself. Window. Yeah, interesting. But Sabrina, um, you've contributed officially to WordPress, haven't you? So yeah. um, you're on the list. Your Your name's been on the list. So... I know what. What do you think about about you know how 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 connected did you feel to everyone in that release? Was it? You know, as we just mentioned this, I was thinking about about our local community. So I'm running these meetups in my in my city in Kiev, right? And it seems that before uh, to get to the meetup, you had to go one hour there, one hour um, home like two hours in transport and you have to dress up and stuff. And uh, now you can just turn on um, the link, right? right, And join the, the meetup. But we are not willing to do that anymore. People um, were more willing to spend two hours in the transport. A lot of people would come from different, from other cities just to attend the meetup and have beers afterwards and, and stuff because it, it's not about um, learning. It's not about when it's contributing, for example. It's not about contributing itself, but it's about like spending time enjoyably with people you like, with like-minded people. With it's not about do, do, doing that specific work, but everything that surrounds it, like the feeling of being a part of something, being around your friends, even, even though you know just few people uh, from here right now, right? 
I think this is such a nice point about like mm, the general fatigue about mm, being online. It we just can't take it out of, of our lives and pretend that it doesn't exist. Yeah, yeah. I think the time that you have to celebrate the su- the successes of the project, if you're a contributor, are limited to a tweet or something. Yeah. You know? <laughs> versus yeah. Uh, versus uh, you know being a contributor, then going to a meetup or a camp. And meeting some of the people on the list that you saw in the Slack conversations, saying, "Hey, we were part of the, we were part of the release," you know, and 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 having that kind of extended celebration, that doesn't happen at the moment. And and I think that Josefa's doing the right thing. Uh, I, I I get you know the the chap from Human Made because they they have financial, um, they commit financial resource to it and everything, but Josefa is is the one whose head will roll if it all goes wrong. So she has to, she's at the top there going, Oh my gosh, that I imagine I'm guessing all the pressure from, from, from Matt Mullenweg. Then there's the, the stuff from the community. Then there's the fatigue. And it's, and at some point you, you say, I don't know what to do with all this. Let's just slow down. And then we can figure out how we fix fix this whole project and make sure it's healthy because I, I, I know that part of her job is to listen to the contributors and to make sure that they've got everything that they need to be able yeah. to do the job that, that the community wants to, wants them to do. And this is to me, her response. Let's slow yeah. down. It's um, it's a heck of a job, isn't it? That she's got really, really big job. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like that job. No, it's a big job. It is a big job. No. Okay. Let's move on. That was a nice piece. So I enjoyed that. We're going to move on to uh, talk about. Well, check this out. This is kind of cool. We've got a um, we've got a an article which I'll show in a minute. But it's all about the material um, sort of Google Material Design plugin for WordPress. And uh, Kyle, who quite remarkable. I don't think anybody's done this before on this show. Um, having read the article, Kyle then diligently went off and made a website to illustrate what it could do, which I just thought was outstanding, Kyle. So, you know, props to that. Bravo. Thank you. That's um, typical Kyle, though. That is, yeah. for anyone who doesn't know Kyle, everyone <laughs> who does know Kyle knows he's just He's just able to pull rabbits out of hat at any moment. So, Kyle, I just want to ask, why have you not finished the Gutenberg project for us? Because that was one of the previous articles. Couldn't you have just done that as well? No, nobody asked me. Kyle's True. been up since four o'clock True. this morning. He's had plenty of time to finish Gutenberg. Let's be honest. Yeah, come on. Um, but we'll come back to your site, as Kyle probably wants to talk about this a little bit more. But the article in question, I don't know how I ended up with 9to5Google. Google. This is not even a website I've come across really before, but it's a, it's a website dedicated to Google because on this occasion it is right in the wheelhouse for that. The article's entitled Google Bringing Material Design to the Web in a Significant Way with WordPress Plugin. I've not used it. Kyle's obviously got the only real contact with this, but I'm familiar with the, the sort of the UI element because I have an Android phone and the material design is just everywhere on Android. You know, basically, if if you create an Android app, you're going to use their their material design and all of the things that are prepackaged in Android. And so they've decided they want to push this out into the web. You know, I really do like it, actually. I, that is to say, I like material design, that the, this whole sort of framework. You know, I love Google products, their Drive and Gmail and all that kind of stuff. So having this as an option in WordPress as a plugin seems pretty neat. But Carl, you can tell us 
whether it's any good or not. Yeah. So, I mean, for me, when, when I saw the things we were going to be covering this week and I saw this was available and it's free, I thought, well, I'm going to throw it on a Cloudways install real quick and just see what it does. Um, and what was, what was pretty interesting about it is you install the plugin. It has a really good onboarding process. So you install the plugin. It asks you if you want to put in the whole theme and everything. You say yes. It asks you if you want to put in demo content. I said yes. And this is what it spits out here. Um, and so the onboarding process is, is pretty nifty to get all this going. This was a couple minutes worth of work and all of this is here. Um, they've done a lot of work inside the customizer to really tailor all this to fit within this design system, right? So they give you a few different options inside the customizer where you can uh, click through different like font pairings or color combinations. They have some like preset ones ready for you. Uh, but then you can also go in there and change all of those things on your own. But unlike... I don't know. I feel like a lot of themes nowadays are, are more like f uh, a really general framework you could do anything with. With with this material design setup, it's all the changes you can make are within the bounds of material designs framework, right? So um, the the customizers pretty neat the way you can you can style everything they also give you a button kind of where the publish button is in the customizer it's like a blocks page uh you can click on that and it opens up a page like you might make a style guide on your website where you can see what all your headlines look like and buttons look like and all that they've basically done that but with all the blocks that come part of this material design plugin uh, so you can see in real time as you're changing things how it changes all these blocks and they have the global settings for rounded corners on things and where headlines are in cards and stuff like that so it's a it's a pretty interesting little thing now to me when you just spit this out right here this looks like like a google help doc and i don't really necessarily want my business website to look like this but there's no arguing that like if you use their color palette and the typography that comes in here and use the system your your website's going to be very user friendly like anybody can load this up and know how to use it right away um but i think it's probably going to take a, a fairly experienced designer to take this framework and make it look probably the way you'd want to and mm. still kind of fit within those bounds. So it's it's interesting, if nothing else. Like you said, I put it on material.theadminbar.com. Uh, you can go there and just go through it. I'll leave it up there for a couple of weeks for people to look at. But everything's free to download. It's it's worth checking out and playing with. It's It's kind of a neat little project. It, um, it, it's really utilitarian, isn't it? You know, it just does what it says on the tin. It just creates nice typography and an interesting color palette and you, you're away to the races. But wow, uh, Google stepping inside of WordPress. I wonder, I wonder if it's because they've got a load of websites that they maintain in this way and they just needed it. Or are they actually being good custodians to the WordPress community and, and really thinking this would help? the community i don't really i don't really know why google would be involved in this but i'm i mean it's interesting that they are i agree well, one other thing that I, I i did notice is all the blocks that come with it so they have blocks for all these cards and everything uh that just come straight out of the box with it what's what is nice about it for somebody that's let's say the plumber that's using wordpress right um mm -hmm. using the block editor and figuring it out everything that comes part of these blocks is really simple to update and it's all perfectly responsive. Like you would have to do almost no work to have a website that looked like that. Now, is that the website everybody wants? Probably not, but it'd, it'd be a really good starting place for people who are, who just want to get something up that's usable and user-friendly. Hmm. Paul, you yeah. were going to say? Yeah, I was going to say, we actually talked about not this plugin, but the concept of uh, the block editor having 
some kind of design system thing built into it that you could hook in because currently you can have lots of plugins that give you blocks and themes can come with blocks and then there's the core ones and you could easily just unknowingly just combine a couple of plugins and and themes and have a really inconsistent style set and also lots of problems with um, responsive design as well so I think the thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago was the material um, design system as it's called has a set of rules and if the block editor had a bit you almost had a rule that said any block that is created by a theme or a plugin needs to be design system compatible so that you could install the uh, the material plugin or the bootstrap plugin or the foundation design system plugin and it could override all the core styles of all the blocks that you're using from your theme or your plugin so that you always had consistency and I think that would be a nice a nice way to solve uh, the, 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 the separation of design from content which which I know Matt Mullenweg wants the design and the content to be together, but that is problematic for the end user, the plumber, for instance, who wants to create a simple website. They will struggle. They probably won't even see the inconsistencies in the mess that they're creating. But if you just, you know, WordPress had its own core design system, and then you could go, no, I want to switch it to the material one, or I'm going to create my own design system. And that would be, for instance, where theme developers could come in and go, hey, I'm GeneratePress, and uh, I've got a design system. When you install uh, your site, you can use the GeneratePress design system, the WordPress core one. You can even use the, the Google material one if you want, and everything will work fine and look wonderful. Um, I'd love to see that, and I think that that Google is probably, you know, number one, just wanting to say, hey, check out our design system. It works with the block editor. And number two, thinking this could be uh, the, a good future for our design system as well. Much like when you see all these admin templates that you can use for your SaaS apps, but tons of them all work off Bootstrap. They've all figured out they can save tons of time for their UI by just hooking into Bootstrap. So um, it, I, it's I, nice. I'm imagining it's about 10 o'clock in the morning over there in Texas. So Carl's probably got seven or eight hours just to knock that system up for you, Paul. Um, you, you know, that. before mm. before tea time, as we call it in the UK. <laughs> Coming to Gutenberg in 2031. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, Matt Davis makes the point in the comments, the more that Google impart their knowledge and skill set into something that powers 40% of the internet, the easier it is to get people, sorry, to gently bring people into their own systems, analytics, ads, etc. No reason why they wouldn't contribute massive benefit to them. Yeah, good point. We're all con- conservant with the URL, uh, sorry, the uh, the UI that they prefer. Yeah, this plumber, <laughs> Chris Hughes says, this plumber is getting a lot of airtime this week. Maybe you should, yeah. can we have a plumber on next week and just watch them build a website in Gutenberg? Special edition episode, watch a plumber build a web. <laughs> yeah, and we'll ask them, you know, so what What do you think about your website for getting the leads? They'll be like, I just use Facebook. That's right, yeah. yeah. And well, I'm booked up for the next six months. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, yeah, that's right. Yeah, don't need a website. I just use Facebook. Uh, anything on that, Sabrina? Before we move on, I don't know. Maybe this is a step to compete with Wix. This mm-hmm. material design plus WordPress, and then you make like your um, service offering plumbers uh, to make their website uh, on the base of material design and WordPress, and without much. Um, uh, designing and stuff, 
isn't it, it a step to compete with um, audience? Yeah, it's an interesting point because Google, if you if you buy their, if you've got their, well, it used to be called G Suite. I can't remember what it's called now, something like Google Workspaces or something like yeah. that. If you've got that, you do have access to this site building technology, don't you? I think it's at sites.google.com or something like that. I don't know anybody that uses it, but um It'd be interesting if they're planning on moving into WordPress. You know, I mean, they've got the they've got the cloud architecture to quickly spin up a a WordPress website in the background, and if all of their UI is in there and all of their uh, bits and pieces. Mm. Well, I, I don't even think you have to have workspace for that because I know a lot of people here ah. in my community that don't spend money on advertising they'll they'll set up their Google My Business listing and then have one of those Google Business sites. Okay, um, you know that that's their own little builder. Yeah, it would be nice, Matt says, to have a Google Sites system move into partnership with WordPress. Well, it would certainly make it a lot, lot more, um, lot more palatable for us. But thank you, Carl, for making the effort to do that. That was mm. that was really cool. Um, I feel I feel like we've got a high bar, Paul. From now on, every time we come across an article, we've got to create a website that demonstrates <laughs> what the plugin can do. <laughs> it literally took five minutes. Okay, that's but, good. I feel, but I'll I take feel, the credit for it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. <laughs> Um, okay, we are I just, move. I just hope, Nathan, that if we were to discuss something like WordPress performance, that one of our panelists might have even done an entire talk and a blog post about it, but we'll see, I guess. Yeah, we're... I mean, wouldn't it be great if one of our panelists today, because we do want to talk later about like the speed and optimization, if they built a plugin, in fact, to, uh, to, to, you know, to give you insight into how fast your website, that would be good, wouldn't it? That would be useful, but that's that would, asking a lot. But that we'll is see. too much we'll to see. ask. Yeah, that's going to really much. put me to shame too. <laughs> oh no, that wasn't that wasn't the plan. Um, okay, it's putting us—it's putting me and Nathan to shame. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, we just exactly. we just read yes. the news headlines. That's exactly. all we do. Exactly, <laughs> we just read things out. We don't actually have to do any hard work at all. Yeah. Um, but we're going to move on because Paul wants to tell us about Elementor three point one. Yeah, so uh, Elementor of 3.1, I don't know if this is the, the full release. I think it is the full, I don't know, don't know if I want to say the word stable release. Yeah, uh, so there's a new, there's, yeah, Yeah, there's a couple of new features and uh, one of them is called Easy Embed Code. And essentially, it's kind of like uh, something that you would get in a theme like Generate Press or Astro or, or any of the themes that use a hook-based system whereby you can put chunks of code in and say where you want that to hook into your site. It also is kind of like a replace, replacing to a certain extent um, plugins like, uh, I can't remember, code there's a code snippets. embed, code snippets, that's the one, yeah. So that's interesting. Elementor are putting features in here that are completely overlapping with a lot of themes and completely overlapping with existing plugins that do the same thing out there. So that's interesting and it and it does kind of back up a lot of people's theories about how Elementor wants to be able to sort of say, hey, you know what, you don't need to have all these plugins anymore. You you know, or you can just use our theme, which would which would make sense from their point of view because they have a lot of stability problems when Elementor is mixed with other plugins and other themes. So it may well be that one of their strategies is to try to basically say, okay, does someone need this feature? What plugin do they use? Well, we get lots of people complaining that Elementor doesn't work with this. Okay, let's just give those give the users that functionality. Then they'll we'll never get any more support requests about that plugin that doesn't work with Elementor <laughs> well, I, anymore. I, I think there's yeah. a good point to that too. When you need to do something with Elementor, there's plenty of times that I install code snippets 
to put in some kind of piece of code to do something in Elementor. So now if they're getting support requests where they're telling people, go download code snippets and then go, I mean, why do that when they can just put it in there? You know, I think that's yep. their approach. Exactly. Uh, they've, they've also in their, um, in their blog post talks about improved asset loading. So they want get, it says get faster page load times. And it's what, it's what they're calling uh, an experiment. So I think that some of the features that they put into the actual stable releases, you can turn on and off as kind of experiments, a little bit like with G Suite uh, has kind of experiments and stuff like that as well. Um, it does seem, though, that, uh, that every release at the moment is addressing something to do with performance. But at the same time, you have to assume that every time you add two or three more features that replace a, another plugin or something that you're adding more and more resource that is loading into the plugin for the for the end user, more bloat. And then, so it's, it sometimes feels like it's two steps forwards and uh, is, it, is it one step forward and two steps back on the performance thing and that they, they, they move forward. Then it's a bit of an afterthought to try and address it because it seems to me that the, the functionality that they're putting in to Elementor to try and help with the performance aspect is less of a performance aspect. It's more of a, tick box exercise for the page speed checkers the the page speed testers and stuff like that and the functionality they're talking about seems to me to be something very similar to what almost every caching plugin already does where it can delay the uh delivery of javascript for instance so i don't know how useful that is but i think that they probably need to keep talking to their audience and showing that they're doing something about it i don't use elementor Carl, I know you definitely used to a lot. I don't know if you don't don't so much anymore. But what does it is does this is this great news to you, or is this kind of like whatever? <laughs> yeah. So I mean, I, I do. I have I don't know close to a hundred sites running Elementor, uh, dev sites and stuff. Probably forty something live sites, right? Uh, so I'm heavily invested in Elementor. Um, but when a release like this comes out, I don't dare update it too soon. Um, I think we've all just kind of learned that bit. But, uh, you know, I watched a video Paul C. at WP Tuts did when this release came out, testing all the performance stuff. It didn't seem to do, you know, a whole lot. But how I've kind of, yeah, I did a blog post a while back where I was getting frustrated with Elementor and trying Gutenberg and eventually Oxygen. And it seems like a lot of these things you have to do for Elementor to be faster or at least to score better in, in page speed tests is a bunch of addition to try to subtract what's already out there. So it's like doing subtraction by addition, I think is what I wrote. And that's very much what it feels like. Like we have to add all these things in there to subtract all this stuff that's already like grandfathered into the system that it's too late to go back and fix now. So we have to put a bunch of band-aids on everything. That's how it feels to me. Uh, I don't know if that's a really accurate description, but that's how it seems. Um, I well, love that description of, you know, addition by or subtraction by addition though. I like yeah. that. That was really, it's great. It's really insightful. Yeah. yeah. Sorry, mm -hmm. Sabrina, I know you've got probably a ton to say about this. Uh, Paul, you mentioned that they are doing what most of caching plugins are doing, like default parsing and stuff, but that's not what this feature is doing. What they're doing with this uh, new update, they are trying not to load stuff on the pages where it's not used. So if uh, there is some um, pro add-ons or something, some widgets um, uh, used somewhere, 
the assets for these widgets specifically would be loaded there. And if they are not used, they wouldn't be loaded, which is a nice thing to do. And there are two plugins who do this as well, Assets uh, Cleanup uh, Pro and free version and Perfmatters, the, mm. the paid version only. Yeah, so I think this is a nice step to do. This, it's always nice not to load stuff if it's not used, right? But then yeah. what, what you yeah. just mentioned, like one step forward and two steps um, backwards. This thing um, for letting people insert the code instead of, for example, Google Analytics and uh, plugins and stuff, it means that I can insert the whatever I want and this will be loaded, right? Everywhere. So now, whenever whoever is using Element, Elementor would go there, insert even more than they were doing before, and they will have even more complicated problems. There. Yeah, that's a good there was a there was a sorry, just to interrupt ever so quickly. There was a I can't speak to the Elementor UI, but there, there is a condition button I can see in the UI. So you you may be able to add a condition to say, I don't know, load on a particular custom post type or with a category or maybe a particular url so it may be possible but maybe. i can't yeah yeah it yeah. It, it is it, all their condition engine is like that so you can do what they're showing is the entire site but you can do page by page basis categories you know uh blog posts only whatever there's tons of conditions you can do in there but okay. will people go do all that i'm not sure yeah, yeah. If, you, yeah. if you know what you are doing right yeah <laughs> yeah it's easier um, to hit everywhere you know the entire website yeah because then you can't cover all your bases right (laughs) yeah yeah um it feels like we've got ourselves another segue here because we're talking about speed um in this case elementor and and we want to carry on talking about speed because we've got this article by somebody uh sabrina zidane um this is your is this your WordFest talk, Sabrina, that we're looking at? Yes, it's uh, the recording from my WordFest talk. Okay, so it's entitled "How to Speed Up WordPress uh, Sites: Five Popular Recommendations That Don't Work." Now, the reason I, I have to say, to be perfectly honest, we didn't um, we didn't intentionally uh, include Sabrina's article because it because she was coming on the show. I actually put this in at a time before we knew Sabrina was coming to social. It's a really nice bit of uh, synchronicity. But what I really liked about this when I first came across it at your actual WordFest talk was the the sort of the way that you flipped it upside down because everybody's always talking about how the five things to do. And you're talking about the five things, basically just ignore those. That's complete rubbish. So do you want to just run us through what what it is that you talk about in this video? Um, You know, the sort of headlines, if you like. So... There are 27 minutes of me talking in, <laughs> in one minute. It's just uh, not do not follow advices uh, bluntly. Just think what you are doing. That's that's it. For example, what we just mentioned, uh, the the one of the very commonly uh, used advice, just disable unused plugins, right? But that's what Elementor is doing, right? Don't, you guys don't need all those plugins. Just use Elementor. But would it really benefit the performance or it won't? That's one of the examples. You had uh, you had some other examples about, you know, upgrade your hosting. If, if in doubt, <laughs> pay more money. Just give your hosting company more money. 
Yeah, of course. If you address your concern, so you have concerns about your site performance, and if you address those concerns to your hosting provider, what they would say? They would say, just upgrade your plan, right? If you address these concerns in a hosting group, there will be tons of other hosters who would come and tell, just come to our hosting and you will have your own problems resolved, right? So yeah. the advice depends on who it's coming from. It's yeah. a, it's a it's a really nice video. As Sabrina said, it's about 27 minutes long, but it's going to unteach you a bunch of things <laughs> that you've probably been told a thousand times and have just assumed to be true. And a bunch of things you waste time on. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And resources. Yeah. I just saw this so many times that people would buy something like upgrade hosting plans, buy some services they, they don't need um, at all. And it would let them to no results at all. And they, they're just getting more and more frustrated with all the thing of site performance, which seems to be even more complicated with each uh, cycle of spending more money. Mm -hmm. I've got a question, actually. Um, like, uh, a lot of us don't like the Google page speed test because it gives us, you know, what we feel is harsh scores on the mobile. But what is nice about that test, really, in a way, is that the reason it gives um, reduced scores, and I know that it's not all about scores, but uh, the reason it gives the reduced scores is because the mobile simulated test that it does is, is is kind of simulated to be throttled, almost like so. Yeah, you know, you can test your website in desk in mobile mode on your desktop, and it seems to load super quick and all that kind of thing. But it seems that the when you uh, throw a website at a, at a browser. Uh, a web browser or a or a device that maybe doesn't have as much RAM or um, capacity to to render the page quickly, it, that's why it's marking you down and giving you know thirty percent on mobile and maybe ninety percent on desktop. And so the question I've got is that no matter what your hosting is and stuff like that, if the code output and all the files and the CSS and the JavaScript and all these different things that are loading in and the and the handshakes um, that you describe in your um, talk, you know, where it goes and talks to MailChimp and MailChimp says, hey, I can see you. Yeah, you're cool. And then it goes back to the website and the website goes, cool, okay, let's display the thing. Uh, and d if if you've got a poor computer, is it even worse when there's a lot of bloat because your browser runs out of memory as such to process, you know, so many files, even if the hosting is fast, the end user with an old mobile phone or an old laptop or a slow laptop is it is it even worse? Is that is that why it's good to see those throttled results? You see, the performance like it's so so complicated. It's complicated on the on our side what we are doing it uh, on on the website, right? But it's complicated on user side as well because just for example, um, Apple devices would give about twenty percent uh, faster the content of the same website that than Android devices would. It, on the same internet connection from the same location, just Apple devices, just as you mentioned about RAM and stuff, they just have the uh, way to deliver the content faster. I'm Android, uh, I'm Android user by, by the way, but yeah, uh, and uh, Google Page Speed Insights they run tests using um, Moto Four, I think. And it's throttled connection also, uh, 3G connection. 
and the location of those tests are unknown. So what we know, it's outdated device, first of all, then it's throttled connection and unknown location, which means we know nothing about our real user experience on the website. So for example, uh, I am a local plumber <laughs> in California. <laughs> <Back>. <laughs> right? Okay, I am a big plumbing com company in California. I do plumbing for all that Mountain View um, people who have money to pay, right? And I want uh, all those Facebook um, and Google uh, employees to see my website fast. So how do I know it's fast for them? I want to test my website from California. I want to test my website using the connection that they have, and they have not 3G type of connection. Obviously, they have something much, much faster, Starlink. So, uh, and the devices that they're using, they are not Moto 4. <laughs> they are something newer. So what I would like to do to, real, to really to know my user's experience is to test in like to test uh, in uh, real life um, um, circumstances, and that's not what Google PageSpeed Insights could offer. Why? Why does Google PageSpeed Insights throttle all the way down to like a three G? Mm -hmm. I mean, are they? Do, do you think that they that that will at one point they'll go? Hey, it's time for us to throttle it to four G now, and then we'll all yeah. be a lot. <laughs> Happy. Yeah, probably something like this. I, I don't know. That was like this for years. They just started with motor four uh, and three G throttling, and they're just sticking to it. I have no idea. Hmm. That's good to Maybe. know. It's good to know to tell our clients that you yeah. need to look at who your audience is, and mm -hmm. yeah, you know, is your audience in um, a third world country? Then Google Page PageSpeed mobile test is good for you. Uh, if it's if your client like for the plumber, uh, my, my local plumber is um, in Bromsgrove. They've they've definitely got four G, and some of them have, will have five G, and they've they've all got mobile phones, and their customers have got mobile phones and good computers usually. So we can also, say to them, just for your audience. Also, we're using Wi-Fi on our mobile phones, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> it's exactly. not so it's that's not really interesting. The, yeah. I guess I don't ever think of those page speed insight scores so much for the user experience. I'm more worried because this is Google's tool measuring this, mm -hmm. how this affects how they view yeah. my website from the SEO perspective. So if I'm getting really crappy scores uh, using their tool, is that going to negatively affect my SEO? So that's what I mean, from the user experience point of view, the best way to do is just pick up your phone and load it and see what happens. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I am. Um, I like to do things very slowly. So I know uh, Paul has recently bought an uh, bought an, an iPhone, and you know you can have your twenty percent faster. That's fine. I'm, I like I like things to load slowly, so I have got a chance to read them. I didn't know that though. I didn't know they were twenty percent off the bat faster. That's fascinating. Really interesting. Mm. Um, I have now become a plumber. I've decided. I've, I've changed. We'd, my, all, I've make, changed my, we'd all make I've more changed, money. I think to be honest. Well, I've, yeah, look, I've done it officially. I've changed my name on the uh, on the video. I'm now Nathan. <laughs> Plumber. Uh, okay, well, go to that page. It's sabrinazidan.com, um, and the article's called How to Speed Up WordPress Sites, Five Popular Recommendations video. That Don't Work. And there's a video that you yeah. should watch because that's really what the content is. Go and watch the 27-minute WordFest video. Um, we've still got a little bit of time. We've got a new plugin that we want to mention. I, honestly, I didn't even know this one was out there until about 
I don't know, f- five days ago or something, and then it just popped up on the radar. And it uh, looks really interesting. Lots of people seem to be talking about it. And I know Paul wants to uh, to introduce it, and probably with Kyle's help, because Kyle Yeah, well, a lot. Uh, I'm probably going to pass it over to Kyle quite uh, soon. But just to – so anyone who recognizes Adam Prizer there from Dopey Crafter, this is one of his uh, – brand new products that he's just released um previously he'd also released um cart flows which is a pretty cool uh, woocommerce add-on for um funnel based checkouts and now he's scratching his own itch again um to create a plugin that gives a much better user interface and a much better user experience for embedding videos into your own website whether that's youtube video vimeo or a self-hosted video now, the the most interesting thing to me about this whole product when it launched was not the product, even though I am really interested in it and I have bought it, I'm pretty excited about it, was to read that um, Adam had teamed up with Andre Gagnon, uh, who is the creator of Project Huddle and also uh, the co-creator of Docket WP Kyle, your product as well. And one of the he reasons... He gets around. Um, he does, yeah. Uh, one, of, one of the things... Um, <laughs> That was interesting. I thought, how how does Adam and Andre know each other? I just didn't feel like they were in the same kind of circles. So I did uh, drop a couple of messages to Adam, and he was kind enough to get back to me. And he told me that um, he and uh, Adam went to a, a WordCamp for the first time. It was at St. St. Louis, is that right? Yeah, Louis, WordCamp right? US. Yep. Word, WordCamp US, and um, and he met Andre there, and they got on really, really well, and they kept in touch ever since. And he just said to me that from his perspective it just shows how important it is to to go to these events and get FaceTime with people because Adam hadn't you know Adam was pretty Adam's pretty famous in in the world of WordPress he's you know one of the most successful affiliate marketers in WordPress and YouTubers uh but he'd never been to a WordCamp before so he hadn't had FaceTime with anybody and he went met Andre and Andre's wife they got on really well kept in touch and developed a product a few years later so but in terms of the actual product itself i'll probably hand over to kyle and because you've um created a bunch of websites with it already as far as i can tell i have i think five (laughs) i think i think i've loaded it on five i will say i don't think i told either adam i mean i have like a friendship with both adam and and andre but i don't think i told either one of them this but uh at one point adam asked me how how it was working with Andre on Docket WP, and then uh, Andre asked me some questions about Adam. So that's funny. Uh, yeah, they're both they're both really good, really good people. Uh, and they this still ended up working together. I know, even I know. after everything after, you said. After everything I said about both of them, um, you know, when they when they first told me about this, um, it's been a month or two ago, uh, and I saw a little sneak peek of what it looked like. I thought, okay, that's cool, but I, I didn't really see. Like this didn't seem like it was for me. I'm not doing a bunch of video stuff. Uh, so I didn't think a whole lot about it. I thought it was going to be something really niched, right? Uh, as it came here close to launch and I got a, got a good look at it and stuff, I became more excited about it. So I think um, the problems it's really solving is you can, you can load up your WordPress website and embed a YouTube video, which is fine. It's free. Uh, the performance isn't great. And then you have to deal with all the YouTube branding all over it and then the suggested videos and stuff at the end. So it's not a, a perfect um, you know, system to use, but it does the job. Or you can go with something like getting a Vimeo account or a Wistia account um, and going that route. Obviously, those things come with a pretty good price tag on them. So um, 
what they've built here is is basically a video player with tons of control for uh, branding. Uh, they have really cool features in there, like it, like what you're seeing on screen right now. It auto playing while it's on mute with the closed captions on there, which kind of invites you to uh, to click on it and and start watching it. Um, but they've built in an integration with uh, BunnyNet, which is a CDN where you can actually host those videos, or you can just use a YouTube. Uh, link or you can use a Vimeo link or you can self-host it. So there's a few different options there. I think really where they're pushing people to go is to sign up with something or to sign up with Bunny, uh, BunnyNet because it's so cheap to host your files there. But it's been really cool to play with and see all the things. There's a, a media hub where you can uh, basically create a library of all your videos and reuse them. Uh, it's really user-friendly and obviously it's really pretty as well. So uh, I'm actually pretty excited about it once I got my hands on it and started playing with it. Did I read right? Did is there, isn't there some kind of integration with like LMSs where th- there's some some experience that they've created which works well with like courses where you've got this thing and then you've got to watch this thing after that and this thing after that? Or am I modeling things up? You're right. Yeah. Okay. It remembers where you were in your progress in the uh, in the. So if you were on like you know lesson two and you you stopped um, where you were, then one of the features they're building in or they've already built in is that when you go back to your LearnDash site, and I assume they'll probably integrate with Lifter, Lifter as well if they haven't already, that the user experience for the learning, the person learning from your online course, they'll be able to pick up exactly where they left off in the video. And, and not only that, it's dropping a cookie on your computer. So not only will they remember like where you were at in the lesson, they're going to remember your preferences, like how loud you had the volume, if you had the speed changed. To, I watch every video on two times speed. So it's going to remember that I'm watching that twice as fast and it's going to automatically do those kinds of things. So it's pretty neat. That's how you do it all in a day. That's how that we is. now know. You've that got is. a button, a times two life <laughs> button. It's getting more done. Sorry, Sabrina, I interrupted. Uh, I was checking the episode of WV Builds with Kyle uh, just uh, a couple of days ago, and there is a content you have, Nathan, uh, on WP Builds uh, website, right? And I was thinking how nice it would be to click uh, on the part of the content and to jump to that section without having to, to ruin it. Yeah, Actually, that's what the, the Yeah, the, the plugin that I use does offer that functionality. It's oh. just, um, you know, uh, I'm not like Kyle. just just never get around to doing it but i should i could we did actually start when we started the wp builds podcast we did do that we found the the different bits in the the audio but i i quickly realized that literally nobody used it they just listened from start to however far they got and that was that was what they did but yeah you're right I, i mean especially for courses and things if you're breaking up content that's kind of you know it's crucial that you know exactly where you are you maybe just want to miss a bit out because you clearly don't need to know that bit you already understand it that would be really crucial yeah it's looks really great. helpful on tutorials right where you might mm. need to jump to a certain mm. part and rewatch something but yeah it's it's a pretty neat little plugin yep mm. lots of nice comments about it chris hughes in the comments saying it's great oh sorry sabrina i've cut you off cut you off it's great picked up 50 license plan using it on 10 to 20 client sites fairly soon Mainly thank you, pages and ordering and onboarding. Nice. Chris okay. Chris Hughes just cannot resist stacking. He just he loves to stack this guy. Yeah. Um he's he's addicted to Absumo, I know that. And so yeah, the the deal I think the lifetime deal that was available was twenty five licenses. Clearly that wasn't enough for Chris. So he's uh he's stacked two deals there. But you know, it's good to um I think it, I personally am very excited about this. The amount of times that I've had a situation with a client where they want to put some video on. And I know that neither YouTube nor Vimeo is really the best 
possibility for them. But then I think about the conversations I will have to have to go another way for that <laughs> yeah. client and how yeah. complicated it's going to be. And I go, just go to you, just, just use YouTube or Vimeo Plus. But now with this, I mean, even in just the release of the plugin, Adam um, and Andre, who I'm going to call A Squared from now on, uh, are um, they've got some really good tutorials that tell you how to export the video, how to get it into Bunny CDN. Turns out this Bunny CDN thing is one of the cheapest CDNs that I've ever seen, but it's apparently pretty stable. And it, it's just, you know, just from the plugin launch, I've learned a bunch of things and I'm ready to go with, um, you know, next time I've got a client project that needs something like this, I can go down this route instead and feel a lot, and also not have to load in all the junk that YouTube and Vimeo pulls yeah. in. Can I ask you about know? that? I, I mean, I know that, you, that Vimeo in particular, because there's the paid accounts and obviously you're just serving up the file, but doesn't YouTube bring along all the, like the, when you've finished watching the video, isn't that part of YouTube's deal that you get the now watch this, the related videos? Does it avoid all that? Can they, can they bypass no. that? So, no, not exactly. So, well, there's there's a listed inside Presto Player. There's a an option labeled experimental features, not experimental in the fact that it's like unstable or they're not sure how it's going to work. It's that it's all built off of YouTube's API, which could change at any point. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I on on the admin bars website, I I uh, updated it all our video podcast episodes to use the Presto Player to embed a YouTube video, right? Um, so it's pulling in those YouTube videos and I used all the experimental features to turn everything I could YouTube off. Right. Uh, so now it doesn't show the YouTube logo. The player doesn't look like the YouTube player. It looks like the Presto player, which I custom, you know, set up for that purpose. And at the end of the video where YouTube's usually going to show all the cars and suggested Mm. videos, it's showing some thumbnails of other videos from my channel, uh, but they're not clickable. Uh, so at least, you know, at least it's not showing you things to take people away. Uh, yeah. But I'm not seeing where you can actually like just go to the next video on the channel or something like that. But it it certainly makes it look a whole lot nicer than a YouTube embed. Nobody watching it would know it's a YouTube embed. Interesting. So Does it's it also take the advertising away? Sorry, Nathan. No, no, no. You please, you carry on. Uh, does it also take the advertising uh, away? You know that uh, ads that break through the video. That's a good question. I uh, I think I signed up for like the the free uh, YouTube whatever premium account, uh, and I love not having ads so much. I just pay for it, so I don't I don't even remember what ads on YouTube were like anymore. Yeah, so I couldn't I answer that. that. Yeah, um, yeah. My suspicion is that it probably won't be allowed ultimately to to take all of those ads away because that is Google's model. I'm sure that you know you can figure out a way around it, but. Equally, I'm sure that Google will rein those people in if it becomes really popular. Um, Chris saying that um, using Bonnie CDM, simple um, with that. I haven't, I haven't tried it, and he's uh, who else? Matt Davis is using Bonnie instead of Vimeo as well. So there you go. I just for the purpose, just for Chris's benefit, I'm going to write a plugin this weekend called "There Is No Code in This Plugin." Plugin, <laughs> and I'm going to release it on the repo, and it's going to be. $500 for life, and uh, maybe he'll stack it. That'd be good. Do you want to join me on that, anybody? <laughs> you definitely go to Epsom with it. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Uh, okay. Now, the perfect segue at the moment. I was supposed to do some other articles in between, but I'm not going to. I'm going to do this one instead because, again, believe it or not, Kyle, 
literally had no idea. I, we record the podcast episodes weeks and weeks in advance. And when did we do this? Like six in, weeks ago or something? I think it was in December. Okay. So quite a while ago, probably eight weeks ago, we recorded this podcast. And by pure coincidence, Kyle booked onto this episode and, and this came out as our podcast for this week. Um, it's by... You guys, it's you and Andre, so pivoting slightly, but Docket WP, which I incorrectly called WP Docket, I think, in the podcast. <laughs> and uh, tell us about it. Yeah, so uh, I approached Andre uh, sometime after summer, around summer last year. Um, you know, I think we all uh, have processes for the ways we do things. In this particular case, um, I was... I have a, a process list set up for when I'm launching a WordPress website and the 900 different things I need to check to make sure I didn't screw something up. Uh, but the problem was having to switch back and forth between apps to go find this checklist over here, go back to WordPress, do this one thing, go back to this other tab. Uh, so I asked Andre, how difficult would it be to make a little checklist that I could pop up inside WordPress? And he said, uh, no problem at all. Um, and then I complicated things very greatly from there. Um, but basically that's uh, uh, Docket WP allows you to create uh, and manage and uh, use checklists specifically kind of built for process type checklist uh, without having to leave WordPress. So things like optimizing a blog post or launching a WordPress website, all those things are right there. Uh, we have like a cloud library where you can download a bunch of uh of pre-built processes that some we've built, some we've brought other people on to build, or you can create your own uh, process list, save it to your cloud library, and then access it from any install uh, you're using on WordPress. So if you've got a like if you've got a, a process which you just go through habitually every time you set up a WordPress website, you could go in, install the plugin, download that list, and all of the things that you want to do are done. But you could also like push that towards your client. You know, you use that as a, a checklist for them for creating blog articles and setting up their SEO correctly and all of that kind of stuff. But the yeah, the the killer feature that I really like was the the sort of third party stuff, the the ability to download the experts in other areas like you know you've got um the you've got Pete Everett I think I don't know if that's done yet the SEO yeah, side yeah, of it's things on there. yep um and various other people I think Matt Matt Davis who's in the comments now is I think he's is he on board with that as well or no, uh, I've talked with him about it, but he uh -huh. doesn't have one in there. We have uh, there. You're looking at the list of everybody right go. now. Uh, so, yeah, there's there's a bunch of we call it like our official library. So there's a library of checklists that are already in there for all kinds of different things. And the idea is you can bring those in and at least have a starting place. I think there's a lot of like small one person agencies like me that are like, oh, I kind of have imposter syndrome saying like this is the process for doing something like who am I to say that? Um, but this will allow you to bring in somebody else's process um, and then you tweak it to however you want. You can edit all these things, save your own copy, and then you're just able to repeat these processes every time instead of forgetting to uncheck discourage search engines from indexing the site, which we've all done. And look, we've got Elijah Mills from Oxygen saying that he's using it on a site right now. It's great. Able to convert the entire scope document to do's, and I can pull it right inside the WP admin. Should mention the URL. It's uh, the URL for the podcast. You probably don't care about. You probably care about the product URL. It's called docketwp.com. That's it. Um, and go check it out. Nice. And it's one of the things I love about WordPress is ever so often things come out, and you get very excited about them. And only in WordPress 
these kind of things sometimes, you know. Uh, it's been a long time, I think, since we've had a lot to get particularly excited about. There was a few years ago where, you know, every day there was something cool coming out for WordPress that we could buy. and um, But it slowed down a lot. And uh, I like I like the sort of maturity of where a lot of these products are going from from a, a user who's bought so much so much junk in the past as well. But um, I think um, for anyone who doesn't know uh, Andre Gagnon uh, and his product, 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 project huddle um i think everyone who is aware of his product knows how quality it is and how well created it is and i i think that you know that's why you know kyle you probably reached out to you know andre because first of all you got to know him a bit but you knew that he would produce a product that was absolutely quality and and you'd be able to work with him and i, I did speak to adam about that and adam actually said one of the, you know there's there's one of the things two 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 of the things that he wanted from from a partner was someone that was absolute quality like a developer's developer and number two someone that didn't have an Adam uh, to help him uh, promote his product and so you know with Andre teaming up with you Kyle and you know you're you're pretty good at marketing the products that you create or marketing other people's products and adam you know adam's audience is absolutely huge and he genuinely wanted to find someone that he could work with who he could pull out of um basically help help that developer make a lot more money than they otherwise would and the kind of money that they deserve in this kind of world of wordpress where all the products are underpriced and uh, so I just hope that it does work out for A squared, and that um, Andre and Adam make a ton of money, and um, and and keep produce and, and keep working on the product and improving it over time. Really excited about it. I guess I guess I'm really selling Andre on this. I don't know why he's too busy to add more projects. I think right now. But the other thing that's really nice is Andre went to school for graphic design. I mean, he's an he 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 just builds things that look so beautiful out of the box. Like nothing we ever had to talk about building Docket was ever design related because just whatever he did looked great, you know. Uh, but and, and besides that, he's a super 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 good guy. So I'm glad to see him doing this with Adam and them seeing success already in the yeah. first week. Yeah, I've actually approached him um, so that we can build a, a plumbing uh, <laughs> a plugin <laughs> specifically for to do lists just for plumbers that's with video and it's got a video player as well yeah yeah i like it yeah it's brilliant it's gonna sell like the clappers is that even a phrase right okay let's move on do you know what i think i could go back i'm just gonna very briefly mention these ones ever so quick because they're just points of interest i'm not going to go into them uh, the first one is if you have Ninja Forms, it might be an idea to get that updated. I'm just pointing you to the wordfence.com article. It was produced on the, I can't remember what the date was. Is it on the 16th of February? Go and search for that. Something like a million million downloads of, of this particular plugin. There's a vulnerability which allows um, attackers to re redirect site administrators to arbitrary locations. And there's a second floor that makes it possible for attackers with subscriber level access or above to install a plugin that could easily intercept all mail traffic. Uh, Ouch. Sub yeah, sublime. <laughs> Just fascinating. I, I love I love it when they say in these articles, though, um, to it would allow attackers to easily um install a plugin to intercept all mail traffic i bet it's actually really hard to do that unless you know what you're doing but if you do know what you're doing um you're probably called andre 
Right. And the very last one that I wanted to mention probably was this one. Paul, have we got time for this, do you think? I don't I just don't want to tread on anybody's toes. You may as well now. You may as well now. It'll be too it'll be Yeah. Yeah, this is just this is this kind of really frustrates me. So this is a plugin called Accessibi. And an accessibility consultant whose name is John Dolson. I should say, sorry, this is Sarah Gooding on WP Tavern. The article's called WordPress.org removes fake reviews for accessibility plugin. Um, it would appear that I don't know who's behind this. I don't suppose we'll ever really know who's behind it. But there were a bunch of fake reviews put on the WordPress.org repo. Now, the article goes into how it was kind of discovered that these were fake reviews, and largely it's a bit of sleuthing, actual real-world real world sleuthing, and going and checking out, like, somebody creating a CSV file with all of the different IP addresses and cross-referencing things and seeing a match in the kind of style of the language used and the quantity of comments and how many things they'd done before and the dates they'd signed up and all this kind of stuff. But it just... I just find it really annoying, you know, in the same way that it really annoys me when I discover that, that that Amazon product that I thought would be really good that I've now bought that fell to pieces in three seconds had 48 reviews. And actually, when I look at it, 47 of them were just complete garbage and I just didn't bother to read them. And it undermines it. You know, it undermines the whole enterprise. And obviously, somebody like Sabrina has real skin in the game here. You know, she's got a plugin. It's on the WordPress.org repo. You could totally fall foul of this in both directions. That's the problem. You could pay for people to fake review your plugin really well, or you could be you could be a, a part of a sort of hack, for want of a better word, where people are fake reviewing your website really badly because they've got a bit of competition. I don't have the answer. I don't think there is an answer, but I'm just sort of disappointed that this kind of mm. stuff happens. Block editor had the same Gutenberg plugin had the same thing in a way. In, but well, not the same thing at all. This is like a naughty marketing, marketing um, trick that didn't work, and hopefully they'll learn from that. It does say they've got history in this, which you know, I, I guess we just need to take that into account when we're you know anything we buy or use. Uh, but remember the um, the Gutenberg plugin itself got absolutely canned from users with zero star or one star reviews when it came out. And they weren't real reviews. They were political statements using the, the review system as such, really. So I don't, I don't know where I'm going with that, to be honest. But uh, it just it's reminded okay. me of you know the, the reviews that aren't legit uh, when you're looking at a product. Uh, reviews with baggage, I guess. Yeah, and the thing is, I really use that as a trust mechanism. So if I'm downloading something from WordPress.org, first of all, kind of like the number of users matters to me. You know, if it's like seriously brand new and doing an absolute boatload of stuff, that concerns me. But also I do look at it and it's kind of, you know, if they've got two and a half thousand reviews and majority of them are very high with just a few down at the one rating, that gives me confidence. And if somebody can game the system, it does question whether the system's fit fit for purpose. I'm not suggesting throwing the baby out with the bathwater, but... I don't know what the answer is, but you know, having some real-world tie-up um, rather than being able to just create a bunch of fake WordPress.org uh, user that, accounts. There's those like really in-depth, uh, you know, product review type websites, but it takes you 20 minutes to leave a product yep. review for something. But I know they're checking things very carefully. Uh, I left a, I think it was on G2, 
I left a yep. review for Project Huddle uh, because it's a product that I use all the time. Um, they do their review process and they denied my review for Project Huddle because I have a relationship with Andre through Docket WP. So they like dug into it and then said, yeah, well, his his opinion doesn't count because uh, they're, they're in a partnership together. So, yeah, pretty well, interesting. They figured that out. There was yeah. no point in your review where you gave that away. No. No, that's really yeah, that's really reassuring. That's why yeah. those platforms. But exist. people aren't going to leave a, a review that takes twenty minutes unless they're really really happy or really really pissed. I mean, yeah. there's no there's no in between lukewarm review on one of those platforms. But if you if your product was taken down, and I think the word that they use on the website, I can't remember now. I've just sort of scrolled away. Um, yeah, so Dolson in the article said, "I found evidence of a hatchet job." conducted systematically against another plugin he said which is chilling uh, it is really i mean sabrina what do you think about this you'd be gutted to wake up in a couple of weeks to discover that your your very favorable rating which you have at the moment is totally the opposite way around because somebody's just decided mm, i don't want that to be successful i'd rather mine was successful i think there are a few sides on this coin uh because first of all uh, we do not know who placed those reviews. For example, mm. if I have a competitor who, whom I want to be punished for having fake reviews, I can just buy fake reviews for his account and get him all over uh, famous for having fake reviews, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, it's the weirdest thing. I'm just sort of slightly disappointed in people. Come on, everybody. Play the game, play it fairly. That's all I've got, I think. I don't have any other don't have any other things to mention unless somebody else wants to throw throw something in quickly with like four minutes to spare. No. Everybody wants to carry on with their life. Kyle um is gonna go and solve the uh the Arab Israeli conflict. It's got twenty eight minutes or so before mm. lunch. Um I'm gonna probably go and have a lie down, you know. <laughs> but that's it. We're done for this week. Thank you very much to Paul. Thank you very much to Sabrina. Thank you very much to Kyle. In all seriousness, this is a serious question. I'm not being silly about it. Anybody up to anything this week that they want to mention? If so, do it now. We're crazy hedonists, Nathan. Yeah, you're not doing anything. It's COVID, right? We're all just staying inside. We just, head, we just head sit at home crying until next week's show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, that's what, that's what keeps go. us going. Gonna go and get my handkerchief out and uh, and begin. I, I think it's worth saying, um, Carl. Uh, Carl tells me every week that he listens to um, this show while he's tidying the house, doing the cleaning on, uh, doing the polishing and the and the dis, you know disinfecting of things on uh, on Sat. Is it Saturdays you do the? To do the cleaning? Yeah, so I, I don't know what happened several months ago. Well, every Saturday morning, like the whole family will get up and like we'll do cleaning. Everybody has some assignments. I'm usually on kitchen duty, cleaning up the kitchen. And I started listening to this show. And if I turn it on like 1.5 speed, I can usually get through a full episode in the time it takes me to clean uh, the kitchen. So I, it's just become a habit now. I almost look forward to Saturday morning cleaning because I get to listen to this show and catch up. Uh, of course, I'm like a week behind. So it's last week in WordPress for me, but it's still working. Yeah. <laughs> so this Saturday is going to be weird because I'll have to listen to myself and I've already heard it. Oh, yeah. I, I think he's doing the vacuuming. 
let's be honest, it's sort of it's something to just add a little bit of background noise while <laughs> in the background. Anyway, there we go. Thanks for joining us. We'll be back this time next week, 2 p.m. UK time, wpbuilds.com forward slash live. It is an absolute pleasure. As always, Paul Lacey, thanks for coming on. Well, you, you don't really, you don't come on, do you? You are the co-host of this. I'm just there. Oh, I say that. It's I'm in a there. habit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but thank you, Sabrina, for joining us. Hope you come on again. And Kyle, thanks so much for coming on as well. Now we have to do the awkward wave where we have no idea how long the wave's going to go on, but I'm going to click the end button. Bye, everybody. Bye.